the counterpoint to the the negative stuff that was going on in my personal life at the time was that here every night I got to beat up a grown-up and a whole audience filled with grown-ups applauded. Actress Patty Duke. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Well before her 20th birthday, Patty Duke had already won an Oscar and had her own TV series. She won the Oscar in 1962 for Best Supporting Actress for her role in the movie The Miracle Worker, which was adapted from the Broadway play in which she had also starred. W-A-T-E-R, water. It has a name. W-A-T. On the heels of that success came her own TV series, The Patty Duke Show, in which she played the dual roles of not only typical American teenager Patty, but her identical twin cousin from England, Kathy. Later, Duke moved on to more sophisticated adult roles, including a part in the movie The Valley of the Dolls. But along the way, she suffered severe, undiagnosed bipolar disorder, exacerbated by various forms of abuse. In the early 1980s, Patty Duke finally got the help that she so badly needed, and a few years later wrote a memoir entitled Call Me Anna, and that's when I met her. Now, it's important to keep in mind as you listen to this interview that we did this interview almost 33 years ago, And a lot of changes have been made in not only the treatment of bipolar disorder, but even what we call it. So here now from 1988, Patty Duke. My uh, given name, the name my parents chose for me, is Anna Marie. When I became an actress, the people who became my surrogate parents, my managers, uh, mentors, what have you, uh, delivered the information one day when I was eight years old that Anna Marie was dead. And I was Patty now. The symbolism of names, I think, is important to most people. And it became particularly important to me that Anna, or Anna Marie, uh, be resurrected and uh, alive and well and kicking. That's a difficult age to be told any major change, let alone to be told this is your identity now, what you were before is no more. Eight years old is a tough age. Uh, You know, I tend to think that we though we may cover it as we mature, uh, we remain vulnerable our whole lives. But certainly that's a particularly vulnerable time. Eight years old is when people are beginning to recognize their own identity, where life and death becomes more real to them than before. It's not uh, the good guys shoot the bad guys and they fall down they're going to get up and do a commercial after that. Uh, So yes, also I had an obsession with the fear of death anyway. I had also been separated from my parents. So all those losses, uh, which in one way or another can come to mean a form of death to a little child, uh, certainly did for me. Were you manic depressive at that age or did that develop later the manifestations didn't show themselves till later you are born manic depressive uh it is genetic it is we refer to it as a chemical imbalance um though really specifically it's a mineral 
imbalance. For instance, the medication I take is lithium salt. Uh, we are replacing what my brain doesn't seem to be able to uh, manufacture enough of. And it, it, it's, it's in varying degrees in different people. Uh, certainly some of us are more manic than others when we're manic and more depressed than others when we're depressed. My cycles seemed to um, last a longer time and, and therefore not go up and down quite as quickly as some others might. Why did it take so long for it to be diagnosed? Because I was a most uncooperative patient. Um, also, it's a very clever little disease. Uh, mania is fascinating. While you're manic, you are all the things we all fantasize we want to be. Uh, now, not in reality, certainly, but you, you have a sense of omnipotence. You have a sense of uh, confidence, importance. The world and you are in unison. You are both moving at the speed of light and nothing can harm you until, of course, the inevitable drop. Uh, and, and during those times, uh, I was simply non-functional. Um, it would begin with the, sort of the blues, uh, the kind of thing you might get on a day uh, like today when it's raining and gray. But then it would move into either just incessant crying about what I knew not and then to simply... It's very difficult to describe sometimes, but it's almost a not caring. And at the same time, you're in pain, so you care that you're in pain. Uh, those were the times when I would attempt suicide, when the despair seemed uh, limitless. And uh, it was really those times that I would go and see a psychiatrist. Those times were easier for the doctor to deal with. That was very apparent what was going on with me. I would disappear during a manic phase because I didn't want anybody to catch it. And I did that for many, many years, many, many dangerous years. I know it's always tough to play what if, but what if you had been diagnosed at a very early age, 8, 9, 10? How do you suppose your career might have been different? I'm not sure. First of all, I'm, rarely are people diagnosed that early. Uh, again, it takes something to kick you into the manifestations of the illness. Um, people who are listening who have symptoms like this will, will readily relate to what I'm talking about, although many studies and much work is being done now with children, uh, even in psychiatric hospitals, uh, one that I'm very involved in, the Psychiatric Institutes of America, they have children's programs, which at first, yeah, just takes your heart and throws it on the ground and stops on it. What are these children doing here? And within weeks, these children who are having behavioral problems or seeming behavioral problems are diagnosed as also having something biologically out of whack that can be chemically fixed. So that's an exciting area for me. Um, in answer to what would have happened to my career, I tend to think after these almost what, six and a half, seven years of living as a controlled manic depressive, that I would have still been creative, that I might have even been more creative or certainly less destructive, self-destructive, therefore allowing me to do parts that I, I managed to uh, mess myself up and out of uh, through the years. So again, 
I, I tend to take a positive approach to life now, so I, I can only imagine that it would have been a healthier and more productive career. I think as fans, we hope that the people that we enjoy seeing in the movies and on television enjoy what they're doing. We hope that when we see you in the Patty Duke show, we hope that when we see you in the Miracle Worker, that you had fun, that you were enjoying those times. Did you? Were you having fun? Miracle Worker? More often than not, yes. Um, I was surrounded there by caring, loving, healthy people when I was at the theater and on stage. Also, uh, the counterpoint to the the negative stuff that was going on in my personal life at the time was that here, every night, I got to beat up a grown-up. And a whole audience filled with grown-ups applauded. So you want to talk about a therapeutic situation. <laughs> that was uh, really ahead of its time. Um, the Patty Duke show, no. I did not enjoy it. The distortion in my personal life at that point was so great, uh, including all kinds of, um, again, surrogate parental abuse, uh, sexual, physical, certainly emotional, that the respite at work was not enough to counteract that. I got by, and certainly I liked it a, a lot better at the studio than I did at home, but the fact of the matter was that I knew I was going home at 7 o'clock that night, and, and that fear, those um, terrors that I was completely unequipped to deal with far outweighed the good at that point. And simultaneously, it's tough for any child to tran make the transition into adult roles. It's always a difficult time. Mm, isn't yes. It? It, it, tra traditionally, uh, most folks don't make it. Um, we have now, we're getting to have a larger and larger number of uh, folks my age and a little younger than me who are making that transition. I think part of that has to do with the way roles are being written for young people now. Uh, certainly the numbers of roles being written for young people is far greater than it was when I was a kid actor. And also, we as a community, we who do this for a living, are far more aware of being sensitive to the need for that youth to grow as a human being as well as a performer. And, and we seem to be making far better progress now. Don't go anywhere yet. Coming up after this short break, Patty Duke reveals the acting role she says her mental illness would have prepared her perfectly for. So let's get back to more of my 1988 interview with Patty Duke. It would have been so easy for you, as many celebrities have done, whose names shall remain anonymous, <laughs> to have written an autobiography that made you the good guy, that made you, that made everything was everybody else's fault, that, uh, that everything you did was right and proper and good, and that everything else just happened to you. That was, that mm. was the thing. Why did you choose to write it in such a frank style? Because to me, the most important thing in life, in my life, is the truth. As I, certainly as I see it, but nonetheless the truth, to the best of my knowledge. That to me is therapeutic. That to me touches another human being. 
and I, I need to touch other human beings because I want to be touched back. Uh, it's not so selfless. <laughs> um, to tell this story and to, to assume that there were villains is simply wrong. There are human beings who made hideous mistakes in some cases and, and the mistakes that had terrible repercussions, most especially for them, the, the surrogate parents I speak of so often. Um, it was really they who ended in tragedy and loneliness. Um, I, wish that, I wish that could be different. I wish that these things that I'm saying now could have been said while Mr. Ross was alive um, and, and had the healing effect that it's having now. Some I was able to say to Mrs. Ross, um, and, and then she too died. So I wasn't quite through my therapeutic uh, channel far enough to, to really be able to be fully forgiving to her and understanding. Um, that's what this book is about to me. It's about seeing things in as fair a light as possible, putting things in perspective so that you can go on with a productive life. Were you surprised that the book became a bestseller? Yes. <laughs> Were you I, was not, I swear to God, I was not surprised that it was going to have impact. That I knew. Just from off and on through the years, dropping little tidbits here and there in conversation to people whose you know, jaws would drop and their eyes would pop open. And I thought, hmm. And I'm Irish, you know, so I'm not a bad storyteller. Um, it, it seemed to me that there would be a certain amount of impact. I think that I had gotten used to a kind of level of performance uh, or acceptance of my performances um, in show business that said, yes, we love you. You're not Meryl Streep, of course, and you're, and you're not uh, Jessica Lange, but you're ours and you're on television and we love you. And that's comfortable for me. I did not expect bestseller, the kind of response from the public that I've had, people who have been absolutely nakedly truthful with me, total strangers writing to tell me their innermost thoughts, pain, and uh, the best of all, of course, and this always gives me a little lump in my throat, is people who are asking for help. And I have access to folks like you uh, to be able to give them that information. Boy, when you've been sick and you get well... You don't want anybody else ever to be sick the way you were again. And to have this opportunity, is a, it's got to be a blessing. <laughs> there are always those skeptics, though, who say, no, 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 there's no such disease. It's all in your mind. If you really wanted to be, to be mm. healthy, you could be if you tried hard enough. Sure. There, there are people who uh, look askance at people who are mentally ill, think that they have a character flaw, really, that they are willfully and purposefully being a pain in the neck. Um, I would th that that was the case. That would make it so much simpler, probably. The fact of the matter is, we are a complex piece of machinery. And though we're the best piece of machinery I know around... Some of us have little problems, whether they're physical, emotional, or whatever, and they need a little tampering with to fix. Again, the most important thing to me that people recognize about manic depression is they now have a choice. No one is saying, you must take this medicine and you must get well or we'll lock you up forevermore. We are simply saying, 
my God, if you want it for the first time in hundreds of years, thousands of years, you have a choice. And the choice is yours to lead the kind of life you want to lead. I choose to lead the kind of life that isn't out of control one way or the other. I, I need those controls. And it, it makes me um, a more active and healthy person. What kind of role is there that you haven't had the chance to do yet that you really, really would like to do, that you would jump at if it crossed your desk? Oh, dear. Now, see, I have to suspend reality a little <laughs> bit because really what I jump at, I'd be petrified, but I'd jump at a musical. But and, and now we have to go teach me to sing. <laughs> I mean, there are those kinds of details that get in the way. Um, I also am probably getting a little too long in the tooth but maybe for a production on stage uh, in a big auditorium where people are far away, I would love to do a Shaw's St. Joan. Um, again, I think those are, that's a role that appeals certainly to my old illness. You know, she heard voices and they were real to her and I could certainly relate to that at a time in my life. Um, but there's also something I'd like to bring to that role that I'm not sure I've seen before and it probably I'm not even sure it would be appropriate but I'd like to try and that is a sense of humor I think she was a pesky little devil <laughs> <laughs> is there one question you are asked by everyone everywhere that you wish you could answer just one more time and then never have to deal with it again <laughs> is there actually no that's a wonderful question, though, and that's going to trouble me for weeks. Um, You're no, lucky. Most people, people normally would think that it has something to do with the Patty Duke show or people singing the theme song, you know, every single word from beginning to end. And that doesn't bother me because, again, see, you have to recognize that I, how lucky I am to have come through all of this and look at life the way I do now. Every one of those things it's another opportunity for me. It's another opportunity to exchange something with another person on this planet. And that's, you know, I want to get all I can out of that. I lost a few years. I have had to make up for them. I have to be honest with you. When I was reading your book, it, it struck me. I, mean, I was stunned, really, at almost how many times we nearly lost this actress that we love had it not been for maybe one or two more pills, yes. five or ten more minutes before yeah. someone brought help, how close we came so many times. How I am, I tell you, horrified now when I really allow myself to go back there in, in my mind's eye. Uh, it was that close. I used to want to say, well, they were just cries for help. Well, certainly they were that. But I also almost had the ultimate accident. Uh, certainly that one too many times. The, other, the painful thing about that memory for me now, uh, even more than my own despair and my own wanting that pain to go away, is the memory of my children suffering through that and the loss of their confidence in me. You know, once you do that, and this is not meant to be a guilt trip, it's meant to be a subjective reality, once... You, they can't trust you in the bathroom with the door locked. You've lost something absolutely vital to your maternal existence. Again, I've been blessed. 
I I now have their confidence back. I didn't know that I would ever have that again. I thought, um, now I'll spend the rest of my life proving to them that I'm not going to, you know, kill myself. And again, uh, for whatever uh, unique reasons unto them and their own psyches, they do trust me. And that's probably the, the best gift I've had. Patty Duke died in 2016. She was 69. And you can find easy Amazon links to Patty Duke's book at our website, heardeverything.com. Would you do me a favor? If you like today's episode, would you tell a friend about Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the mother of Barbie and Ken. Literally. My 1994 interview with Mattel Toy co-founder, Ruth Handler. My husband and I were the founders of Mattel in 1945. His great contribution were all those wonderful Mattel toys, such as Hot Wheels. My great creation was the Barbie doll. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.